Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to this episode, episode number 700, oh, 700, geez, 175. It's it's early on a Saturday morning. Give me a break, folks. So 175, and I am pleased to have on Jennifer Getz, the head girls basketball coach at Pleasant Valley High School in Pleasant Valley, Iowa, just outside of the Quad Cities. Uh, for those of you uh, that don't know who the Quad Cities are or what the Quad Cities are, a little trivia question at the end of the podcast: What are the four Quad Cities? And we'll see if uh, we'll see, we'll see if folks figure it out. So, uh, pleased to have Jennifer on this week. Uh, before we start talking to Coach here, we of course want to thank our founding sponsor, Cosac Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha, Nebraska. Coaches, if you or any of your athletes are struggling with balanced neck or spinal issues, have them go see Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi. Give them a call at 402-964-0300. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. If you're listening, go to iTunes, download, rate, review, subscribe, give us five stars. That would be absolutely awesome. We need to build up our, our audience. We are doing that. Our subscriptions keep going up and up and up, and it is greatly, greatly appreciated. So please uh, do so if you're a first-time listener so that we can get the word out. When, po- uh, when coaches look up coaching podcasts, basketball coaching, whatever it may be, a pen and a napkin pops up very early and often. And, of course, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Jennifer Getz, how are you doing this fine Saturday morning? I'm doing very good this morning. Wow, awesome to have you on. Uh, Thank you. It's, uh, I, this is a really cool thing. You said you've listened to a few of the podcasts, and, and mm-hmm. it's always nice to have somebody that's that's been, or that's listened to some stuff, and, and just, uh, yeah, just really excited to get going here. So are, Thank you. are you ready to get going? I am ready. All right, let's dive in. Uh, you know, Jennifer, let's start out the way that we normally start out, which is uh, tell us about you. Tell us about your basketball background, your basketball journey, and you know, tell us how you ended up at, at Pleasant Valley High School. Absolutely. Um, well, I think yeah, my whole life has been basketball, to be honest, and sports in some facet. Uh, I played basketball growing up a lot. Uh, I continued my playing career. Um, well, I played high school basketball at Kilcock Cardinal Stritch, a little small uh, Catholic school in Kilcock, Iowa, the corner of Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had pretty good success there as a team. I continued my playing career at St. Ambrose University here in Dav- or up in Davenport, Iowa, um, and loved every second of it uh, as a player. So I played four years um, there. And after my playing career was over, I immediately got into the coaching world. And my first year's coaching, I spent three years at St. Ambrose being their assistant coach. Um, the only assistant, if anyone knows anything about small school basketball, <laughs> you have a head coach and an assistant. And I was getting, I was the GA, the head JV coach. I was everything, but mm-hmm. it was such a great starting point in my coaching career. Um, with that, I was also, I uh, got asked to coach uh, some younger AAU teams. And so I had kind of all, all spectrums going on right there. You had the highest level of collegiate basketball and then some seventh grade basketball AAU teams I coached. So mm-hmm. um, I just jumped right into it. Um, after three years there, I got the job at Davenport Assumption for their girls basketball coach mm-hmm. um, in 2011. And there was, unfortunately, there was not any teaching job with that. So it was just the girls basketball coach. 
Um, I took that season and um, as a 24-year-old head coach in one of the best programs in the state of Iowa, just kind of took it and ran with it. And we were fortunate enough and I had amazing girls and amazing family that we actually won the state title that first year. Mm -hmm. And after that year, um, obviously you can't live off a high school coaching salary. (laughs) So uh, there was an opportunity that got presented at Pleasant Valley um, Mm -hmm. where it was teaching and coaching. And so I just thought it was in my best interest and I loved my time, my year at Pleasant or at Davenport Assumption, but it was, I had to have a little bit more to it. So I got uh, teaching coaching at Pleasant Valley and I've been there. This just finishing up my 12th year, which is kind of crazy to say. Yeah. And it, 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 it's been great there. You know, I, it's nothing that has been bad when I first got to Pleasant Valley. There was good teams. It was good athletic program. The basketball was always kind of like just not that consistently good. They had years that were good, but it wasn't consistent. And so I really had to dig my feet in and get my roots going on building the entire program, uh, K-12. So uh, it's definitely been a journey. So uh, I wouldn't change any of it. Uh, it's been a lot of ups and downs, but it's, it's, it's been awesome for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, as a as a Briarcliff grad, uh, <laughs> I, I will welcome you on uh, as a St. Ambrose B. Uh, I, I, I don't know how I truly feel about this, but you know, it's 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 all right. We uh, we when when I was in college and coaching, uh, na- the national tournament was out in Indiana. Uh, I can't remember the name, Tri-State University or something like that. Okay. So we would we would stop in Davenport. Davenport was kind of the halfway point, and we, yep. would, and we spent the night in Davenport, uh, hit the Iowa machine shed real hard, real hard. So <laughs> awesome. uh, Mike Power, we won't go into any details of what happened a couple of nights there, but let's just say there's some there, there was a poultry shortage afterwards. Uh, we'll just leave it at that. So. Um, you know, Jennifer, uh, you are were a tremendous player. I, I think you uh, uh, sold yourself a little bit short there. Two thousand points, a thousand rebounds in your career. Uh, you are up there uh, with some of the biggest names in the, in the state, uh, the Lynn Lorenzens and folks like that. Uh, as a as a Hall of Famer, um, what do you think your experiences as a player, especially as a high school player? Uh, how how has that helped you as a coach uh, to develop young women, to develop your program, so forth and so on? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I just think a, a lot of the experiences that I've had um, have been 100% like earned. Mm-hmm. Like I had to earn everything. I was always, I, I was, I, I was undersized. You know, I wasn't always the fastest. I couldn't jump that high. So I always had to figure out a different way. Um, to be successful. And I think a lot of the girls at at the high school level, the majority of girls, they got to do the same thing. Um, Yeah, you have your handful of athletes that are just at a whole other level. Not every team has multiple of those every single year. Um, So I think getting to their level at that, um, I think another area for me that has been super beneficial is that I'm also a teacher. And Mm -hmm. I think bringing those skills and strategies and things I do in the classroom um, keeps me, I try to stay as young as possible on why, what triggers, what, what trips kids nowadays? Like what get, how do you get in their minds? Like what do you have to do to get them motivated and all of that stuff? And um, I remember I had amazing adults growing up for me and I know the importance of that, having a strong support system. So I try to, I do the best I possibly can with my girls, which I think is why they do work so hard for our program. They're, Mm -hmm. 
they'll do anything I ask of them because they know how much I care about them as people. And that's what I had growing up too. So yeah. I try to mirror that the best I can. Yeah. Um, you also were, were fortunate in your career to have uh, some some really influential people. Uh, let, let's start with your parents, and that's one of the things that you put on your list was your your parents and how influential they were for you. Uh, just just kind of go into that a little bit and, and how supportive they were of of you and your in your basketball playing your per career, your coaching career, so forth and so on. You know, I think when you're in the moment as uh, you know five year old to even twenty year old, sometimes you don't realize how much your parents do. You know how much they do, but you really don't fully realize. And I believe the older I've gotten, um, I've had a lot of aha moments the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years of how much my parents sacrificed to give me the opportunities to be successful. Mm -hmm. And I, I wouldn't be where I am today without them. And I think the biggest thing is they never want had to push me to do something. They didn't force me to do anything. Or I think in today's world, it's sometimes, you know, I know coaches talk about the, you have the questions like, who wants it more, mom or dad or you? And I, my parents never crossed that line. I never had to do things I didn't want to do. I wasn't drugged to the gym. Um, it was always what, it was me. And they wanted it to be my journey. And mm -hmm. I, I am forever grateful for that. Um, and along with it, like <laughs> the amount of things they had to sacrifice. Um, it's just unmatched and, um, I'm so glad they're still here with me today, being able to enjoy, um, the experiences I'm having as a basketball coach. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll try to say this name correctly. Ted Eskildson. I'm sorry, Ted. I, that Eskildson. I yep. yeah. Eskildson. Yeah. 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 Uh, what about him? Now he was, um, he's the guy, the coach who recruited me into Ambrose and he was my coach my first two years at Ambrose uh, before he parted ways there. Um, coach Ted is one of those coaches that um, he <laughs> you either liked him or he didn't. And he was a straight shooter and he was honest. But the number one thing that Coach Ted um, taught me is he always said to me, I always look at what players can do, not what they can't. Mm -hmm. And I just remember that phrase because when I was – 18 years old trying to figure out the recruiting world. I had a lot of coaches tell me the things I can't do. And here comes this uh, tall guy from the East coast who's coaching at San Ambrose. And that's the phrase he told me. And I just, honestly, it, it made me go there immediately. Uh, and it's a phrase I use. I think about all the time when mm -hmm. I'm coaching is yeah. it's so easy to look at what they can't do, but here's all the things that they can do. And my job as a coach is how do I utilize that person? Yeah. And, uh, God rest coach Ted. He, he died. Um, couple of years ago but he was such a person that was you know when he even stepped away from coaching like he was at my hall of fame night uh at the girls union in des moines my first game i was a head coach at he was there and he didn't make a big scene of it but he he was always in my corner he was always there for me um the only thing we ever debated on is that he kept telling me that lebron is better than jordan and we would get in heated <laughs> battles but uh he just was a good person he was a good man um, I wish he was still here today. That's for sure. But, uh, just a remarkable person in my life. And it was, again, he only coached me for two years, but those two years were such an impactful port, point in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, that's something like w when I took over my current program, you know, it was, you know, things were pretty rough and that's the first thought that I had. Okay. I, I know we're not very good right now, but what can we do? What are things yeah. that we can do? And I think so often we get wrapped up in what 
players cannot do or what our assistant coaches cannot do. Okay, where are their strengths? How can we take advantage of that? And I think that's a great perspective that he brought to you. Uh, yeah, and I think it's far beyond the basketball court. Like, think yeah. about just in everyday life. Like we, and I fall into it as well, too. But it's like we just look at so many negatives all the time. It's like, well, let's look at how the situation can be different. So, um, yeah, just mm-hmm. a, an awesome, simple little sentence that can impact a lot of ways of, of, of how you live. Mm-hmm. And then Tony Sargent. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, you know, Tony was my – he coached me, honestly, our whole group because I went to a school that only had – I graduated with 15 kids. <laughs> so it's not like – I mean, 10 girls, 5 boys. Yep. And growing up, that's all we had to play from, you know, second grade on. Yep. So Tony actually coached us the majority of our youth, and then he coached us um, my first two years at high school as well. And Tony was just a coach that he would do anything in the world for you. He loved you with his whole heart. Um, kind of like coach Ted, to be honest, he could rub people the wrong way because he was blatantly honest and he, he walked in the room with his heart first and, um, I do the same thing. And I just think you need more people like that in the world. And I knew Tony always cared about us as people first than basketball players. And I think so, so many times, especially in today's world, a lot of people only care about you as a player first than as a person. And Tony never had that. He never, ever did that. Um, he was just a good person. He was a good person. And he, he, his joy was watching us be successful. Mm-hmm. And the only, <laughs> sometimes, you know, he's, when he was coaching, uh, when he was still uh, with us, he's at Fort Madison, we would go up to Cedar Rapids Kennedy for scrimmages for the, uh, you know, IGCA. And there's, you know, 20, 30 teams there, whatever it is. And he would always come. He's like, coach, Jennifer, get over here, get over here. I'm like, hey, hey coach. He's looked at his players. He's like, this is what I was talking about. She's the, she's the best player ever to put, to play in the state of Iowa. I'm like, okay, okay, stop. <laughs> you know, but he was just so proud. He was so proud of it. And, um, he, again, just another good, good, good person. That was a huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, when you went and, and sometimes when you are in the college game for an extended period of time, uh, mm-hmm. you, you played and then you spent three years, uh, coaching at the collegiate level. And then you go in, and I don't want to say back to the high school level, but obviously it's a lower level than the collegiate level. What were some of the adjustments that you had to make to make that situation work? And obviously you inherited a lot of talent. Assumption is a great program. They're, they're a perennial power. But still, there had to be some adjustments that you had to make in your thinking and your philosophy. Uh, what what was that process like for you? You know, I, I was uh... – finishing up my third year, my third year, and I knew it was going to be my last year at Ambrose. Um, that guy I was working under, the head coach, uh, he was in the process of getting another job. So I knew that, and I, knew I, I knew I wasn't ready to be the head coach at Ambrose. I just didn't think that was the next step. So when it opened up for assumption, I was like, oh, wow. Like, is this kind of too good to be true? Like a, a Catholic girl who her whole life is now going to find her first head coaching job at another Catholic school? Like, so I, I, I just knew I had to stay true to who I was. And as a 20, I got the job out actually 23, but mm-hmm. mainly the whole year was 24. You know, I'm pretty young and you're going to have a lot of people question what I do if I don't have a true, strong belief in who I am as a person and as a coach. So I just really stayed true to that, those morals. And I didn't waver. And there were a lot of ups and downs as a first year head coach, uh, let alone in a program that expects winning early and often sure. you know you didn't have you didn't have time to do oh yeah this is like 
first year head coach, lost these couple of these games, she'll figure it out. Like, no, you, you got to win right away, to be honest. But it was good. It was, it was, it, you put that pressure on myself right away uh, to make sure that I was coming prepared every single practice game, all of it. Hmm. I think a big thing I had to do is I just, I looked at where the program was and I had to, I had a vision of what I thought we had to do to win us, to get to the, hopefully play the last game of the season in high school. Mm-hmm. And I just thought there was things we had to change with the tempo, with our transition, how the guard play, like just some little things here and there um, that I thought were important to do. And um, I, my experience from my college coaching led me to know those things. Without mm-hmm. that, I really don't believe I would have been able to make that jump. Um, and I'm also a firm believer. Uh, I don't think just because you coach the higher up you coach, the better coach you are. Sure. You know, I, I go to some of these games with smaller level schools or even high school. And I'm like, yeah, these coaches are pretty darn good where you look up at some of the higher level, like, are you a good coach or are you just a good recruiter? Correct. You know? So to me, it doesn't matter where you coach. It's all, you know, the knowledge and, and how you handle your program. But, um, yeah, I just, I just really tried to stay true to who I was. Yeah. I, I genuinely did. Uh, knowing that it wasn't going to be perfect, but I just had to continue to stay strong um, into what into what my beliefs were, and not be wavered by anybody else, no matter what their age was. Want to know more about a pen and a napkin and all the resources it offers? Go to a pen and a napkin dot com, a great resource for any coach at any level. In addition to our a pen and a napkin university video library options that are available to order, we have hundreds of pages of notes from one-page handouts to book breakdowns to original coaching notes. We also have coaching links, a full catalog of every A Pen and a Napkin podcast, and ways to contribute to the growth of A Pen and a Napkin. Apenandanapkin.com is a coaching resource that will help you become a better coach. I, uh, As we were getting ready for today, Jennifer, I saw something... And you refer to it as the Pleasant Valley Way. Can you kind of fill us in on that? You know, you've been there for 12 years now. Uh, you've got a, a good grip of what you want to do within your program and how you want it to function. So what is, fill us in on what your uh, belief system is when it comes to the Pleasant Valley Way. You know, um, there's very, very few people that know all the work that... Um, I personally have put into this program and you, it's not just you wake up and this year we won a state title. I was like, Oh, that was cool. Uh, this, <laughs> oh no, this it's that cool. easy. Don't you know? <laughs> yeah, it's just that easy. Uh, this is, this has been 12 years. And what I talk about the Pleasant Valley way is number one, we're going to do things the right way as human beings. And that does not mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean we're going to put a facade on, um, we're going to be good people first and foremost, and we really stick to our program's five pillars, um, that which are teamwork, work ethic, unselfishness, competition, and thankfulness. And all five of them to uh, in our program are, yes, they will help us be better basketball players, but way more importantly, they're going to make us better people. And um, we live by that. You know, the other thing we do a ton is you could ask, we have our youth camp or anybody that's involved kindergarten all the way up to our seniors we ask them the question like if you're whatever you're at so how much better should we get today they will all say in unison one percent better <laughs> and we'll ask the question of who are you competing today against and they'll all say yourself and those are just things that we just genuinely try to instill into young girls because number one those are life things mm-hmm. especially the second part is we live in such a 
comparison world of social media and how many likes did you get and how who commented and what about this recruiting video and all of this stuff that goes on, which I'm not saying some of it is all bad, but you've got to be able to just look at you and, and get you better and not compare yourself to anybody else. Um, that's easier said than done because us adults fall into it as well too, you know, but so I just think those are like the backbone of who we are and no matter what happens. And we talk about the roots, like our roots are strong. So if the wind comes, a tornado blows us over, you know, whatever it is, like our roots are going to stay there. And now it's just trying to build it to another level, um, that Pleasant Valley's never been in, you know, we are the last couple of years, we have embarked on areas that this program has never been in before. So, um, but it's not getting too big headed. It's not looking too far ahead. It's staying true to who we are. So, um, long story right there, but I just think that's the Pleasant Valley girls basketball way. Well, let's talk a little bit about the last couple of years. You, you brought the program to the state tournament, uh, two years ago, you got to the semifinals and you got beat by one of the perennial powers in the state of Iowa, Johnston. And, you know, what did you and your staff and your players, uh, it's the first time on the, you know, the biggest of stages down at the well and, and everything that goes into that. What did you and your team and your program, everybody all around, what did you learn from that game, that loss? Yeah, you know, I uh, honestly, I'll take it back to a year before that. And so this would have been COVID playing year. It would yep. have been 2021. Yep. And I remember we ended that season um, getting beat in the regional semifinal at our home court. And I remember in the locker room, just so that would have been year 10. Mm-hmm. And I remember in that locker room telling my coaches, <clears throat> excuse me, telling my coaches, like, I can't keep doing this. I, so I have to change something. I don't know what it is, but I we have to change something to get this to another level. And I remember that after that season, I just and it wasn't I was I wasn't mad. I didn't want to leave. I just I knew something had to change. I had to go back to some of the roots, and I felt that I got <laughs> we weren't the greatest those last the two years prior to that. So I feel like I got kind of soft to be honest, where I am kind of intense a lot. So we went back to kind of who I was honestly when I was at Assumption. And we're a little more, not demanding, not crazy, but just just push them to a level that maybe they didn't realize they could get to versus I have gotten a little softer the older I get, you know, yeah, versus kind of coddling them a little bit more. And I just like, I, if I keep doing, if we keep doing this, this is where we're going to stay, which is fine. That's what we want to do. But I, I, I personally can't, I, I just can't. So I would say after that season is when with our summer, our, all of that, we raised the bar another level. And two years ago, we had a group that we felt like could be pretty solid. We knew we had some incoming freshmen that had potential to play some varsity. And we just, yeah, well, I was like, this is the group to do it at. We had a lot of basketball-minded kids. Like, let's just push them. Let's see what we can do with this. And as that season went on, it was kind of like the um, they used the, they, the phrase that that team chose was redefined. They wanted to redefine what our program was, and it kind of fit perfectly with the issue or the struggles I was having and they didn't even know about to what they wanted it to be. So it kind of was a perfect fit. Mm -hmm. And as that season went on, you just saw something about this group that was like, you know what, this group might go do something. Mm -hmm. And we could not get over the regional final hump. That's kind of been my bugaboo uh, personally as a coach. Uh, Prior to winning that two years ago, uh, we lost seven of them, and it was rough. 
it was tough. And we've lost them at our home court. We lost them when we were the complete underdog and had no business beating the other team. Um, it, it was it was a hurdle. Our program and myself, we were we were struggling to get over. And I'll never forget that regional final game. We were playing at home. We were playing uh, Cedar Rapids Wash, mm-hmm. which was Hannah Stolke, who's I'd say she's pretty solid. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. it was one of the best high school basketball games I've ever been a part of. I mean, she put up 30-some points. I mean, she was her, her teammates were shooting better than they ever have all year. It was, just, it was just pound for pound, back and forth. And when we won that game, I just physically remember just a weight lifted off my personal shoulders, how the girls reacted. Because that was only the third time in program history we were even going to state. Yeah. And once you got to state, it was kind of like, you know what? <laughs> this is all kind of icing on the cake, to be honest. <laughs> and then we go there and we win that first game. And it was just an experience. I think any coach would tell you, you can't, you can't, you can't plan that or do anything to mimic the state, the Iowa girls state basketball experience. Nope. You can't. And to get a, not just go there, but to get a win and then come back and play a team like Johnston, mm-hmm. it really was a win-win. Like, honestly, like there was no way if we won, great, we're going to play a state title game. And if we lose, what a great experience for us, for this group. And so I just think last year's experience skyrocketed what this year's had. Mm-hmm. And to do what we did this year, I, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. You know, I, Marty, I don't even know if I've had to fully have 100% wrap my head around it. Like, <laughs> That's it, okay. That's okay. Yeah, you know, I think as as a as a former as a, as a fellow coach, I mean, when I look at what this group did, like twenty six and zero, um, obviously didn't lose a game on our home court, conference champs. Then when you go to the state tournament, you have to face three CIML schools, mm-hmm. arguably the top three in the, in their conference. That the conference that everyone raves about and how great they are, rightfully so, because they do it every year. Yep. You go and beat all three of them. To win twenty, to win to finish twenty six and zero, and only five of our twenty six games were single digit wins. Yeah. The other twenty one were double figures. Like, I just don't know if you're like. It's like holy cow. Like, I don't really know if that's ever going to get repeated again. Yeah, you know. So yeah. Did you feel like when you got to the state tournament that you were not only representing Pleasant Valley? Uh, but you were representing all of the other four and five A schools in the state that are not associated with Des Moines. And again, that's not to take anything away from Ankeny Centennial or Johnston or Burlington or you know any of those any of those schools. I'm not uh, you know, but hey, you 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 get a lot of attention, deservedly so. Great tradition, but you know we're pretty good too. You know, and there's other schools that are pretty good as well. One hundred percent. And our girls, again, people who know me, I always, I, I coach with a chip on my shoulder because I think I have a lot of doubters. Like, oh, she can't do it from small town. But that's the way my whole playing career was too. And I had, I just always had a chip on my shoulder. And I, my kids had that when we went to to the well this year mm-hmm. because we, you know, again, social media people making comments like how they rank number one. They play in a horrible conference, you know, just all of the negative. And my kids were like, okay, you keep talking, and we're going to show you. And that's how they played. You know, that's that's how they played. It was nothing against anything to do with Des Moines schools. It's nothing against that. Yep. I just think they wanted to say, and I, some of their quotes in the paper were probably pushing the lemon, but they were like, over here on the east side, we can play basketball too. Mm-hmm. And I just think it was such, and we had a lot, we had a lot of positive support from people over here too, sure. like from our conference, from 
you know, Lindmar, Cedar Rapids, Kennedy, like they were, pu- they were pushing for us. They were really, really pulling for us uh, to win to represent the whole side of us over here. And, you know, uh, it was a very, very, just an amazing experience that uh, thank God I, I'm 37 and experienced it because it's something I will never forget as long as I live. How many years of your life, good thing you're only 37, but how many years of your life were taken off in that last two minutes and 10 seconds of the state title game? You, you know, uh, I've had a lot of people comment about that, like, oh, you were so calm and all of that. And and uh, honestly, I was. I, I don't mean that to be like a facade. Like, yeah. I really was. I, yeah. I just had such a confidence and belief in this group that I wasn't rattled and I knew if I showed that they would have been too, Mm -hmm. you know, but to know that we were up 10 with a minute 40 or whatever it was down there, it's like, let's just wrap our head around that. First of all, if we take care of the basketball and make some free throws and they don't hit some crazy shots, you're probably beating them by double digits in the state title game, which is unheard of as well too. Yeah. You know, but, um, I also live, you know, I, I'm a big person. If you put everything into it and, you feel like you did everything in your power. You got to be at peace with the results. Yeah. And the end of that game, I know there are probably a lot of people in the stands or on TV wondering why, like, why didn't she call this timeout? Why didn't she do that? Well, I stayed true to my roots and I'm not a huge timeout person. And I knew once Reagan made those two free throws that put us up three, I knew the worst case scenario was we're going into overtime. Mm-hmm. And I also knew he did not have any timeouts. So I did not want him to get the opportunity to, to draw a play up. Yeah. Um, so I just let it roll, and I trusted our defense, and I trusted our kids, and it worked out. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, you. I, I always tell my wife. You know, she'll kind of say something after a game or two. I'll have somebody say, "Hey, did you see that, or did you notice that during the game?" And and kind of getting to your point, I'm so locked in on what's going yeah. on on the floor. A nuclear bomb could go off outside. I'd be like, oh, "Did somebody drop something?" Uh, you know, and, and and I'm right back at it. And I think that part of being a coach and and being in that mode, just not you know, and and everybody sees it on TV when you're in the state championship game or that type of thing. But that's the way it is every night that you're in the gym, whether it's practice, whether it's a it's a competition, whether it's a game, and. You know, in order to be really, really good at what you do, you do have to have that single-mindedness, that that locked-in uh, mentality of, I don't care what else is going on. Here's my job. Here's what we're doing. And if I want my players to play up to the level that I expect them to, then I've got to show it as well. And I'm sure that's kind of what you're thinking as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would say that's one area of my own personal coaching career that I have probably made the biggest strides in. Um, is there's times in my coaching career I would get so caught up in an official's call I didn't agree with or um, my kid's not making a shot or not missing this defensive assignment, you know, things that are genuinely out of my control in the moment. And I would let it get the best of me. And I would chirp too much or my body language would be horrible. Like I had to do some self-reflection on that. And I can't, you know, you can't as a coach continue to tell your kids, Hey, you got to work in the off season. Hey, you got to get better. If I, if we don't do the same thing. So I think that has been the, personally one of the biggest things for me is like, yeah, I can still not disagree with some calls or I can do those things, but I got to let it go. I can't just dwell on it the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I thought personally for me, like that was like the epitome 
of that game was like, that's the coach I've become. Where I know people who maybe have watched me five, seven years ago, they're like, that is not who she is. Well, it's who I am now. Yeah. And I just like you should do in life, you should grow and get better and fix the things that maybe you aren't so good at. Um, and that's what I tried to do. So it was kind of a full circle thing of like, yeah, this is this is kind of who who you have to be if you expect your kids to perform at that level. Mm-hmm. Coaches, you know just as well as I do that we're always looking for new and different ways to motivate our players and programs. But sometimes it's hard to find that perfect source that we're looking for. Over the past 25 years, I've collected hundreds of handouts to help motivate my players and programs, and now I'd like to share some of my favorites with you. The A Pen and a Napkin 101 Best Handouts Booklet is now available to you for only $15. In this booklet, you'll find motivational material for all types of situations and individuals to help you communicate your values to your players and program. For ordering information, you can either DM me on Twitter or email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com for details. All right, Jennifer, at this time, we are going to switch gears here a little bit. You know just as well as I do, it's the John Wooden quote of the day that's coming up here. Uh, from John Wooden, uh, or Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations. Got a great quote here for you. And I think this kind of fits your journey. I didn't intentionally to, you know, I didn't intentionally pick this out just for you. I just kind of, you know, I'll be honest with you. I just kind of flip it open and, and start thumbing through and like, oh, that looks good. Let's go with that. But uh, I think this fits you pretty well, coach. So uh, are you ready, Jennifer, for the John Wooden quote of the day? I am. All right. From page 124 of Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations. I believe that for every artificial peak you create, there is a valley. I don't like valleys. Games are lost in valleys. If you need emotionalism to make your performance better, then sooner or later you'll be vulnerable, an emotional wreck, and unable to function to the level of your ability. That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I, and, and I think you're talking about the evolution as a coach, yeah. and mm-hmm. as you get older, you tend to be less emotional, less going up those peaks and down into those valleys. And and the only way you can really get that in most cases is through those experiences and going through some peaks and some valleys and figuring out how to be, uh, you know, not too up, not too down. We're just going to work on the next play, get 1% better, so forth and so on. That's kind of the way I read it. Absolutely. And we talk about that with our kids all the time is not get too high, not get too low. doesn't mean you don't get excited. Like I, I do that more than anybody doesn't mean you don't feel bad about a situation, but it can't be extremes is what we talk about, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think that's such a positive is, is there times that you can't, like you, like the quote said, you can't stay in the Valley too long. You can't stay that deep because if you do bad things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just think staying as even keel and in the moment, be where your feet are at as much as possible and not get too high, not get too low. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, let's jump in here, Jennifer. Um, let's get into your, uh, basketball philosophy here. You, you offered up a lot of stuff. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, and, and I'm not a zone person, but it, it looks like you guys ran a lot of, a lot of zone, used your length, used your athleticism. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your, your zone philosophy, your two, three zone philosophy, uh, how you built that into a championship program. Obviously. It, it doesn't take a genius. If, if you've got really good players, it's it's going to work out pretty well. Let's you know we we all know that. But uh, 
you know, tell us a little bit about the, the tactics, your belief behind the zone, uh, what you do to build it up. Just tell us all that you can about your 2-3 zone that you're willing to share. Uh, I'm going to let you kind of roll here. Yep. And if I have a question, I'll try to politely interrupt. But uh, the floor is yours, Jennifer, on, on your 2-3 zone. Perfect. Um, well, first of all, I I, gotta, I can't give take the full credit. When I was at St. Ambrose, uh, the guy I coached under, Coach Nate Altoffen, he used it, and he kind of brought it, and that's where I learned it from, to be honest. Um, so a lot of people, again, are like, oh, zones are horrible, zones are blah, blah, garbage, blah, blah, blah. Well, this zone, if when you watch it, it is not your typical stay in the lane, hands up, make them shoot from the outside kind of a zone. There are so many man-to-man characteristics in it, uh, which is why we really don't play the zone in our program, excuse me, until varsity. A little bit of our JV team will, Mm -hmm. um, but all of our lower levels play all man-to-man, all man-to-man, because if you can't play man-to-man, then you're not going to play this zone very well. So we teach all man-to-man characteristics in our youth K through 910, basically. Yeah. so we are big into we want to and the the best thing for this zone is not a coincidence for a lot of years i've been pushing for the shot clock because of our defense and when we get it this year not a coincidence it's our best defense we've ever had mm-hmm. um so we want to keep people extended we want uh <clears throat> we want ball pressure on every single catch every single catch we want a ton of ball pressure um we are big on we we call it our three positions we have our guard which are two guards up top, our forwards, which are two people on the the, the, the bottom, and then our middle, our, our center, is obviously in the lane area. And <clears throat> we're not big position people. We're not like, oh, you're the one, you're the two. Like, honestly, it's more of what, what fits our zone the best. Mm-hmm. What, what position do you play the best in our zone? And that's kind of how we, we, we roll from there. We work a ton on our defensive slides because in our zone, I believe, <clears throat> and it's not a secret, the bugaboo to beat our defense <clears> – <throat> is if you if you penetrate against it we're in trouble Uh so we really really try as hard as we can to limit penetration um a lot uh within our zone we have rules where the ball goes high post our guards have a certain job to do our forwards had to prevent high lows ball gets kicked back out we were big on re-extension um yeah i mean i there's so i get to there for hours and talk about it um, but it's also one of those things where we do not, as a program, again, this is probably different than most, we do not sit here and practice our defense like hours upon hours. Mm-hmm. If people look at our practice plan, we probably spend 85% of our practice plan is on offense. Mm-hmm. Because our defense has just so many characteristics that are about, you know, defensive slides, yes, but like anticipation, first step quickness, uh, being aggressive, like things that are so much more than just your normal typical defensive life and i don't want them to be restrained i want them to feel like i can go get that pass you know i want we want to use like this year god bless us finally we had some length so it made the zone i think even better than what people realized Mm -hmm. Uh, but we just cover so much space so much space and i'll be honest in 13 years of coaching high school basketball i have not seen something different than what i saw in year one and two I just haven't seen it, mm-hmm. you know, which I think benefits our girls of, oh, yeah, we've seen this before. Oh, yeah, they tried to go high low. We got it. Oh, they tried to go high post kick. Oh, they, ha- they tried to go short corner. Like, we've seen it all. Yeah. So it's not it, – it, it helps us make quicker adjustments than what people realize. And what the shot clock has done to me is the times that we have struggled in our zone is when teams hold it for a minute, minute 15 – you know, and we're and we're like, oh god, and we we and we falter. Yeah. Where now they don't have that time. 
they have to make quicker decisions, and that has only benefited us, um, which is why this year, honestly, we are on average, we gave up 29 points a game is all. Mm-hmm. The next person in line was 35. Yeah, yeah, I saw that stat. I was like, oh my, that is crazy, especially at a 5A level to only give yeah. up less than 30 points a game. So, yeah. Um, so you, you are you doing? You said you spend most of your time on offense, mm-hmm. but you also talked about, <clears throat> excuse me, about containing the ball, defensive slides. <clears throat> oh, I've got a frog in my throat all of a sudden. Um, do you uh, are, are you working on? Is that the one big emphasis that you have every day in practice when it comes to your defense? Is closing out, working on slides, keeping the ball in front, so you don't get caught in rotation there. Yeah, that's a bit, that is huge. And the other area that is big for us, and it's super hard to like mimic. So it's just more you do it in possessions and scrimmages and stuff like that. Is is weak side? Like we are so big on the weak side. Like you have to be able to make plays on the weak side. Where I think no matter what defense you're in, I believe all good defenses. That's the difference of a good defense. Is what are you doing on the weak side? Like, are you anticipating where's that next pass going? Where's the second pass going to go? You know, where's my positioning at? Like all of those things have to go on into your mind. And I think the more kids play it, it just becomes like the back of their hand. It's just second nature, you know, which is why when you watch us, you see us get a lot of skip past steals or you'll get a, we'll get a high low steal because it looks open, but we're our weak side is ready for it. So it's another steal, you know? So I just, it's just all this. I don't even know how to describe it. Masterful things that we try to do. But the backbone of it is, is that you've got to know man-to-man characteristics. You mm-hmm. have to. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, you are going to struggle. Yeah. Um, it also didn't hurt us this year with our length. <laughs> you yeah. know, like oh. you can go out there and put three, four, six footers. Like it makes the zone that much better. Where in years past, to be honest, I probably had kids that knew the zone better in years past, but our tallest kid was 5'10". Sure. So you're going to struggle with it, sure. you know, and um, and I also think sometimes there's girls in high school, especially like some coaches probably give these huge scouting reports and this girl does this and all this paragraph. Well, I'm here to tell you most girls don't even know what's going on in that scouting report. Mm-hmm. They'll fool you that they do. They do not. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just something we don't, we don't have to worry about yeah, yeah. We know who our shooters are. We know who we have to keep off the boards, but it's not, it's not crazy detail yeah. and no offense for high school basketball. It shouldn't be. You yeah. got to be as, keep it as simple as possible. Well, that was my next question is, is coaching the zone that has to make your scout easier. Oh, 100%. Because what we see, you know, a lot of times you could watch all this stuff about, oh, well, what they did against this team, this team, and this team. No offense. There's, I don't watch a lot of film on them with other people because what they do man-to-man is not what they're going to do against us. Mm-hmm. So we'll go back and watch, how did this coach attack our zone the last time? Or I know this team plays a lot of zone. Let's see what, the, what, is, their, what is their make and model against this type of zone. You know, so I just try to do it that way, which I think benefits us a little bit. Um, obviously, against when we play better teams, we'll watch any film we can. But mm-hmm. um, we're going to be very smart about smart about what we do because we, we don't want to waste anybody's time. Yeah. We want to keep it, again, as simple as possible. So. So, so if you're not spending as much time on your defensive scout, what does that – what do you feel like – that gives you the ability to loosen up in other areas of your coaching philosophy, whether that's your offensive scout or what are you looking at with your other aspects of your scouting report, so forth and so on. Um, our own personal development. Okay. Uh, I know there's sometimes this season, our girls, I, I, I had a very, very competitive group where if I would, if we would have skirmished every practice for two hours, they would have been the happiest people in the world. Like they just love to compete in everything, but we did a lot 
of fundamentals, a ton of fundamentals. And I just call them stations. And we would do like, you know, backdoor cuts or dribble handoffs or attacks and kicks, post moves, finishing around the rim, you know, getting shots off, like tons of things. And that, as we all know, sometimes those are not very exciting things. Correct. They're not. No. And we had multiple practices where sometimes we get into that and you could tell some of the girls are like, oh, my God, I swear. Why do we keep doing these? <laughs> and I remember one practice I was like, you know, I understand these things are not very fun. But you know what is fun? Winning. Winning is fun. And you could yeah. see their faces like, oh, she's right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think it gives us that opportunity, which is why we were we were able to win games this year <laughs> with our offense. Sure. And I don't know how many times in my program, my coaching career, that I've been able to say that. Because we could score in so many different ways, you know, transition, half court sets, backdoor cuts, coming off of curls, post ups, like, and it all goes back to that skill work we were able to do. And I, I'm a, just a huge believer in that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of the uh, as as a parent when your teenager or young adult uh, knows what you're saying is right, and you get that look <laughs> like, I know you're right. Dad. It's like. Yep. <laughs> That was their look. They gave me a lot like, oh, she's right. But I'm not happy with her right now. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about your offseason. You know, that's that's closing here pretty quickly. Now, of course, in Iowa, it's a little bit different because you have your st- uh, state-sanctioned uh, softball, and I have obviously no clue how many of your, you know, what your crossover rate is and how, how many of your kids might be playing softball or are still running track and, and so forth and so on. But uh, tell us a little bit about your off-season development, Jennifer, and what you're doing with your program to, to get your kids ready for next season. This is not going to be a very exciting answer for you either. Um, we do we do a lot of skill stuff in our off-season. We are not, I do not believe in playing um a lot of games mm-hmm. we might play, we might do scrimmages slash competitions, you know, go there. We might play three to six, three to eight a year this summer. That's it. Um, because number one, we have a good amount of our girls that play AAU basketball. Sure. I don't think adding more 20 to 30 games onto their crazy schedule already is going to help that cause. Um, we also have a lot of girls that play softball. Yep. You know, we have a lot of girls that do club volleyball. So there's just some things where it's like, I more games does not always mean, better results correct so what we try to do in our open gyms and we run uh open gyms all summer seven weeks of summer we we do again a lot of skill stuff we also play a lot of like two on two three on three to make them practice a lot of those skills and we'll do it different ways like we'll have the whole half court we'll play it where they can't cross you know they only get half the court half the side of one court you know like just different scenarios for them where you can't score until you have the post touch or just those type of things um, we do a ton of shooting. I'm not gonna lie. I just, I, you got to be able to make shots. Yeah. So we, yeah. we do a lot of that as well. We try to be creative as possible with, cause again, we have competitive kids. So we try to do stuff that's you versus you, you know, so it's competition where we might keep track of, Hey, this week, every time we do Oregon shooting, you're going to keep track of your points and whoever gets a hundred points total, you know, gets a candy bar on Friday, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. So we try to do those type of things to keep it, you know, light. So it's not just like a practice as well too. Um, are you, you know, it, it is, our, our lifting is big. You know, we, our, our lifting program is, I'd put it up with anybody in the state of Iowa. Uh, we have amazing strength and conditioning coach uh, who is, he's a football coach, but he treats our girls as equal and as amazing as he does anybody else. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge component of our success as well, too. Um, so that's two times a week. If not, we, sometimes we get a third lift in mm-hmm. um, with our, and we work on agility stuff. Again, just becoming a better athlete. 
So it's really not exciting. I'm not going to lie. It's really not. But yeah. winning's fun. So yeah. we got to do some of those things uh, to get there. And, and, and our kids are bought in. You know, yeah. our kids are totally bought into it. Um, our youth programs, you know, we do camps all summer long, camps and clinics, and our kids love it. It's so fun to watch, you know, six-year-olds looking up to the high school girls and just think they're the greatest thing ever. And, th- and that's what building a culture is all about. That's what building a program is. Um, so, yeah, it's mm-hmm. just a, it, we're a seven-week action-packed opportunities. But you bring out a, a good point about the shooting stuff. And one of the things that I know I didn't do a very good job of when I was a younger coach was not building in enough time to get shooting in in practice. And you, you get so worried about, well, we got to box out. Well, we got to do, uh, we got to shuffle this way. We got to do this. Way. You know, it's pretty simple. If, if you don't make shots, it doesn't matter about all the other crap that you do. You yep. you have to be able to put the ball in the basket at a high level in order to be successful. And and I know that's something that I've really changed about my philosophy. I, I have it on my practice plan every day. We want to get we want every player to get at least two hundred shots up every single practice. And that's a lofty goal. And we don't we don't always hit it, don't get me wrong. We don't always hit it, but that's the goal every day because we have to be able to make shots. Absolutely. And I would say, especially for five A for us, like it's not just, oh, you got to get one or two players to knock shots down. Like, you got to get a lot of kids to knock shots down. Mm-hmm. And some some players may only get two to three shots a game, mm-hmm. you know, so their margin for error is really small. So you got to put them in situations where, you know, it, that pressure is on them. You've mm-hmm. got to be able to knock that shot down. you got to be able to get an offensive rebound and put back that finish, you know, because we do a lot of things around the rim, um, you know, because – so many times it's like oh my god we missed so many layups and again self-reflection as a coach well how many different things do we do for them to finish around the rim and how many different angles and what's their look like and how much contact like all of those different scenarios so when they do it in the game it's like oh i've seen this before yeah <laughs> they might think oh this is one of those stupid drills that coach gets makes us do every day you know so it's like okay yeah perfect now mm-hmm. you're gonna make layups so um I just think it's putting them in position to be successful. And one big thing that we talk about in our program is from November to March, it's not about you. It's about what can you do to help us get better. But from March till November, it's all about you. Mm-hmm. You've got to make you better. And it doesn't mean you don't care about your teammates, but it's it, 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 it it's your time to get better. So it's, it's a simple slogan. It's simple, but it's like, well, if you don't get better from – March to November, then you're probably not going to like where you're going to be from November to March, but it's not about you. It's about our team. Mm-hmm. So. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece, with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin video library. Let's continue with that program type of stuff. Let's dip down into uh, like your feeder teams, your your junior high programs. Uh, I don't know what your district setup is like there at Pleasant Valley, uh, but you know how how do you structure your your lower level teams to build up to to uh, come into your your high school program? Yep. So um, 
this uh, kindergarten through sixth grade is all like I all help. I'm involved, but it's all parent run. And my only reason for the, all of that is because kids are involved in so many things from other sports to music, to dance, to, you know, whatever, which is great. So I help with that, but like, that's pretty much parent driven parent coach, all of that when they get to, cause we have a junior high in our district. We don't have a middle school. So seventh grade year is the first year that all of our kids come together. And that's actually where I work at. Mm-hmm. And so in seventh grade, that's when we start our PD premier program where we um, have teams. We do not make cuts, but it's our AAU team. And we have coaches that are amazing at it. We try our best. We've never had uh, parent coaches just because I think it's that time where, yeah, you need to you need to break away. We have some amazing parents that would be great coaches, but they also can be moms and dads too, and there's nothing wrong with that either. So I think that's been a big positive for us. And then our school also offers junior high basketball, and that's for anybody as well. Yep. And I want as many girls out for the game of basketball as possible. I don't care what your skill level is because I think there's just so many things that you can learn from the game of basketball whether you're the best player in seventh or eighth grade or you're you've never played before you can teach somebody something you know what's your leadership look like what's your patience like all of those things um so we're just a big component of that and then once they get to high school um it this will be the first year for us uh finally we're catching up to the the morning area is we'll have varsity jv1 jv2 Uh where the last couple years we've had varsity jv and then fresh off Uh Not going to lie, numbers are really low across the state. Yeah. For us, knock on wood, our numbers are very high. And that's awesome. That's a kudos to our my coaching staff, my players, all of it. Um, we have – our numbers are pretty solid for girls basketball, which we are very grateful for. So um, our fresh soft slash Nobby JV2, that, that level is all about just fundamentals, getting better, um, taking a step forward – especially for freshmen a lot of freshmen play at that level of like just getting a, a you know acclimated to what high school sports are <laughs> you know they have a lot going on that first year yeah and then our jv level is obviously our next our next level to varsity is we are raising the bar to get to that um everything will be you know a little higher level uh, all of that and then varsity obviously is the the highest level and all of that so mm-hmm. we're a whole program we do camps and clinics all fall we do some in the spring like we are I give my kids as many opportunities as possible because I don't believe that it's we should just push them to go somewhere else and learn those things. You mm-hmm. know, like I should, that's my job as a head coach is to provide them as many opportunities in our own gym to get better. Mm-hmm. So that's what we try to do the best we can. What do you what do you think is the reason for the numbers being down? In girls basketball? Yeah. <laughs> uh I think it's a lot of factors. I'm going to be honest. I think, I think one is that again, there's just so many things for kids to choose from in today's world. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but they have so many things to choose from. Mm-hmm. First of all, I am a sports person. I love all sports genuinely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think basketball for female athletes is one of the only and last sports that involves multiple skills. Mm-hmm. You have to run, you have to touch people. Um, you got to be able to dribble. You got to play offense. You got to play defense. You got to shoot. You got to, there's so many things that you have to do in the game of basketball where a lot of other sports are becoming specialized mm-hmm. in certain areas. And I think that's hard. I think it's very, very difficult. Um, but I can't control all of those things. We just try to do what we can in our program to 
give as many opportunities as possible and see all the benefits that basketball can have. So it's not easy though. I'm not going to lie. Like some of the, you, know, you see some coaches, you know, getting out or um, the frustration that they see, like it's there, it's there. And honestly, sadly, I think it's only going to get worse. Yeah. Yeah. It's scary. I, I, it's scary for the game. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I think it's, it's a long hard season yeah. in the that's true i was just gonna say it's it's the only sport that one it's the longest of any high school sport and it goes through every single holiday yes. thanksgiving christmas new year's all of it mm-hmm. and the weather especially where you and i live is often not good it's just yeah. those those yep. are some cold bus rides sometimes yep. um yep. what can we do to build up those numbers what we try to do is we, we, and I know it's like cliche, we genuinely try to make basketball fun. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, I think sometimes it's like we try to micromanage and make everything like life or death, like all the time. Like, no, like we have spring open gyms once a week now, and our girls end it every single time with this half court shooting game. And I know people would walk in the gym and be like, Are you for real? That's what she's going to let them to do. You know what? Yes, because yes. it's fun. Like, yes. life is too short. Like, they, we have to do these fun things you know, to make it fun, to make them want to come back, you know, and if they want to do some other drill that I don't think is very beneficial sometimes, oh, well, it, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you have to bring that component to it because other sports, no offense, they do the same thing. Yeah. So we have to be able to do that. Yeah. And, um, you, you I got, think that's, yeah, you got to give a little to get a lot. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great, 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 great point there. Yeah. You know, and I also think you have, you have to get them in, invested. Like, and I say that, like, you have to empower them to feel that they are genuinely a part of it. You know, not just I, I'm the coach, you're a player, listen to me. Like, that that, that, that doesn't work in today's world anymore. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to, as basketball coaches, like, we got we to gotta get kids involved, you know, and get them feel invested that they're, this is our program. Mm-hmm. This is not just Jennifer Getz's program. This is our program. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think kids, kids want to be a part of that. So, yeah. Well, and, and I think there's a lot of things that you can do along the way to make the kids feel invested. Like, uh, I think I got this from Bobby Knight. Um, anything that doesn't involve winning, have the players decide it. Like, so for example, Every summer, we do our camps just like everybody else does. And with your camp, what do you always have? You always have a T-shirt, right, Coach? Yeah. Yep. So I, I give my T-shirt guy a call. Hey, we need summer camp T-shirts. Here's uh, – I want this slogan on here. Design me three, four, five designs. And then a few days later, he sends it back to me. Then I bring in my players. Which one do you like? I don't care. I do the same thing, you know, I, you know, Same thing. And they love it. We're, yep. we're, we're getting – uh, we're lucky this year we're getting new uniforms. Guess what? Guess who picked out the uniforms? The players did. I just said, as long as it doesn't, as long as it looks acceptable, um, pick out whatever design that you want, you know, sure. and little things like that. You know, if you're going to have a post-game meal somewhere, hey, where do you, where do you kids want to eat? You know, yeah. now every once in a while, I do override that one. If there's a pizza ranch within 20 miles, we're, 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 we're going to the pizza ranch, which they, they, it drives them nuts. So sometimes I, I, I tweak them on purpose there, but I, well, I, I little thing too, like going off of that, like then you, you can compone it into basketball. Like we send out Google forms quite a bit throughout our program of like, you know, different questions, but it's also like, what's one drill you want to do this week? 
well, they all, this it's this one drill that's all competitive. Okay, let's, we're, I'm going to do it. I'm going to sacrifice that for 10 minutes of practice because now they know their voice was heard. Yes. You know, and that's, it, it's a small thing. Would it be better for us to do some kind of defensive closeout slides? Yeah, probably. But you know what? Oh, well. Yeah. It's it, what it is. Yeah. And, and those 10 minutes probably are not going to have a tremendous effect on whether or not you lose, win or lose Friday night. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So. What are some other uh, let's let's end it here, Jennifer? Other unique things, other traditions that you have within your program. What are some things that you've done to kind of build that camaraderie within your program? Um, I'd say a couple years ago we did we started this. This was again a girl's idea, which I thought was great. We do like a a buddy. So on our varsity team, they they have a buddy the whole year, and we'll do like different themes for games. So it could be like motivational quote day so they got to figure find a quote and give it to their buddy before the game or you know we're going on a road trip so road trip snack or you know just stuff like that where i think is kind of beneficial um we do shoot arounds before every game and we always wear the colors of the opposing team okay just i don't really know the why behind we do that but i just we do <laughs> just something different um our girls are big i i they're big, like dancers, singers. They're all all of that stuff, um, but that's who they are. Like I'm not before the game. People would probably watch our team and be like, "That team's going to be ready to play in 20 minutes." Mm-hmm. Yep, they are because that's that's what they do. Like yeah. you know, um, uh, we we play music a lot in practice. Yeah. Again, we have kids. Certain days they'll pick the music or you know, all of that. I think a big thing for us, I'm not, you know, we, I've been blessed for, Oh, the 10 years that I have the same exact coaching staff the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. And my coaching staff, I have one, uh, woman who has, her kids are both graduated from college. So Mm -hmm. she's a little older. And then I have the other three that are young moms Mm -hmm. and their kids come to our practice quite a bit. And I know again, a lot of people walk in, they'd be like, what is going on? It's a family. It's yeah. a culture. And I think it sends such a powerful message to my girls of you don't have to stop doing what you love because you have kids yeah. and your kids can be a part of it. And I think it's just so powerful for them to see that. And they love when the kids are there mm-hmm. and the kids are they, they behave great. They know when they can bother or they cannot like they, it is they're they're gym rat kids. They, they don't know any different. Mm-hmm. So I just think it brings a whole family dynamic to us that um I wouldn't want it any other way. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. Yeah. And I just think it kind of brings our whole program together and we're a family and that's, they were just as excited. We want to say titles as the girls were, you know? So, um, I just, I'm just very grateful for all that I, that I have here at Pleasant Valley. Awesome. Jennifer, great conversation this morning. A lot of terrific stuff. Uh, if, if folks want to know more about you, want to know more about your program, how can they find that out on the, the World Wide web or other Absolutely. social media outlets? Um, uh, my email, which is just guess Jennifer at plezval.org or on Twitter, um, we have our girls basketball page, which is at PVGBB. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be glad to help any coach that has questions or uh, comments, anything to help. I would, I would gladly reach out or assist you any way that I can. Mm-hmm. And for the folks that were wondering if you've held on this long with bated breath, what makes up the quad cities? Well, It's actually two states and four cities, Davenport and Bettendorf on the Iowa side, and then Rock Island and Moline, technically, well, there's two, Moline and East Moline in Illinois. So 
there you have it. Uh, so, uh, Coach Jennifer Getz, a uh, terrific conversation this morning. Uh, Jennifer, I'm really glad we got uh, hooked up today. Uh, hope you enjoyed your time on a pen and a napkin. Really, really good stuff. I really like this buddy idea. Uh, I'm going to kind of flesh that out a little bit and see what we might be able to do with, with that. But uh, just thanks so much for your time this morning and appreciate all your support for the podcast. Marty, I appreciate it. I, anytime I can wake up Saturday morning and talk some basketball, I'll do that all the time. There's no problem with that. So thank you for what you do as well, and um, just appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate it. If you hold the line here just a second, uh, we're going to wrap up here. Uh, state champion, two-time state champion, Jennifer Getz. Uh, Pleasant Valley High School, uh, great, so many good things that came out of today's uh, conversation. Uh, we want to thank her. We want to thank COSAC Chiropractic. Uh, I'll obviously, you know, follow us on Twitter, add a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle there. Uh, of course, subscribe, download, rate, review, give us five stars. Tell folks about a pen and a napkin. It is greatly appreciated. Email me any questions, comments, suggestions, ideas, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com and a whole bunch of other stuff. Go check it out. Uh, go to a pen and a napkin.com. A lot of really good uh, coaching resources out there on the, the website. So uh, this has been a terrific conversation. Uh, with Coach Getz, and uh, just really excited to have her on here today. Uh, Episode 175 in the books. So, folks, I hope you've enjoyed it. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.